Right, okay. Shall we crack on with the first question that Carol touched on there? But I think it's the most important one of when is the right time? Obviously, every company is going to be different. But are there any key things that we can discuss of what we should be considering before delving into the scale? And Carol, while you brought it up, I'm going to come to you first. Straight under the balls. Oh, you know what I mean, Hayley? Gosh, what's she like? Yeah, it's... It's just really knowing your numbers. I can't ex- express this anymore. You know, when you start a business up, um, the, all the excitement, when it's all flowing, you're getting the deals in, <clears throat> the money's landing in the bank, um, and you're getting the other orders and the money's landing in the bank. You think, this is great. This is great. So year one goes, yeah, the money's coming in. And you're thinking, right, okay. So last year I did half a mil. Next year I'm going to, oh, definitely going to keep on doing this. And it's then saying, right, okay, how true are those numbers? How sustainable are all those numbers? Are those numbers? How am I still going to get those types of contracts that deliver those same value of, of, of revenue? And sometimes it's, it, it's sometimes not sustainable. So knowing your numbers and being able to say, right, okay, I've got a niche market. I know where my recurring business is going to come from. And I know, right, this is a time to continue to grow, to continue to sustain not one of those half a million pound projects, but I can now do two. I've got the model of how I can do it. It's then when you start thinking, right, okay, I'm probably going to need um, either bringing new people in your business or looking at, you know, in construction, maybe a framework of contractors that can, you know, deliver the work under my brand in a way. So there's a lot of things that, you know, and we've heard you guys are in construction, right? There's lots of construction companies that start up and then they just go by the wayside. They then collapse because, you know, they get the one big contract. They think it's great. They go out and spend the money and then something just goes tits up because they don't actually understand the numbers of the running costs and everything else. They see the big lump sum in the bank and then they forget that, okay, I've got to pay wages or I've got to pay machine costs. Oh, by the way, I've got to pay this, this salaries, all of that. So scaling up is not an overnight thing it's actually understanding a lot of different um and i always call them these these different um benchmarks that you've got to then look at your business so the the competition the market that you're in um where your work's coming from so you know do you have frameworks and regular income come you know regular opportunities to tender on on certain frameworks and and also, you know, who are your preferred people that you have working within your team? So those are things you have to consider before you say, right, I'm, 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 that's it. I'm a multi-million pound business. I'm going to scale up and I'm going to be a, a super million pound business. So I just want to put that out there. There's lots of things, but the most important, know your numbers. Do you know what, Carol, you make a really good point there because I made this mistake. I made lots of mistakes, but this one in particular in the beginning where what I'd find is, I would work really, really hard and do, you know, maybe two months of hitting the phone, sales, like get, putting tenders in, blah, 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 blah. And then that work would start coming in and I'd be like, oh, brilliant. And then my time went into organising that and sorting it. And then before I knew it, it was like the pipeline had finished. So I had to then start all over again to build it. So when you talk about those numbers not being sustainable or are they sustainable, it comes down to, the workload and the time you have and ensuring that you put time aside every single day to continue building 
your pipeline in order to be able to scale and always have a, a chance of recurring revenue or work coming in at the end and not wait until it dries up to then go back out on the sale and find work again. Um, that was a really, really big challenge for me. So I think that's really important to remember when you're um, understanding your numbers and looking at how sustainable those numbers are as well, that you can get too busy and carried away with the work you're doing to find new. That's my little input on that. That's really good, Helen. It's a valid point because in construction, you're very much looking at, you know, I go to a contract and you said, right, I've got my, my order book is for the next three years and it's worth 60 million. So a lot of, you know, I won't say the luxury, but, you know, from a construction perspective, depending on what's, what sector type that you're in, you can sometimes get projects that run for, you know, multiple years. So, you know, all of a sudden you could be like a, you know, a two million business today, all of a sudden you've, you've, you've been successful in a tender and you could be like, you know, doing a tender that's going to be over three years at 60 million pounds. So you're right. It's sometimes you're in the detail, but then you're doing, delivering the work. And then sometimes you think, well, oh my God, oh my God, I can only see the next six months. And that's because, you know, you're in it all the time and, and not planning ahead. And so what do you do to avoid that for anybody who's winning more contracts and getting taking people on? What do you do to avoid then running out of business down the line? So I'll chip in here. My old boss used to make me make a list of time management in the morning, which I hate doing, but it was extremely important to remember. Um, but every single day I'd have an hour and a half of my day no matter when I could fit it in, I would make sure that for that one hour and a half, I was only concentrating on forward business and new business, whether that be doing a bit of um, LinkedIn stuff, uh, making new connections, commenting on posts, warming people up and having people in a, a bit of a lead generator type thing to have constant streams of potential customers to be looking at. So I made sure that no matter how busy we were on the delivery side or you know, looking after customers and customer service, it all comes into it. And your books and your accounts, you have an hour and a half a day where you solely concentrate on, on new business and forward revenue. 100%. And it's that pipeline again, you know, um, which you mentioned, Hayley, setting aside that time to review your pipeline and, and in construction, as you know, you, you, you get inquiries that come in and tenders. And it, it's actually being able to say, right, okay, we've got X amount of tenders that have come in or work that we need to price. When do those, when are the drop dead dates for us to put our submissions in? When do we know we're gonna be awarded those contracts? So you, you kind of build up a timeline of, you know, work that you're, a, that work that you're already delivering, so you're there in your business delivering work and ultimately you know when those work's going to finish and obviously you'll have snagging or whatever to finish and there'll be a time period. But then always then reviewing, constantly looking at the forward pipeline, what's coming in, because you may get yourself into a situation where you get, if you don't have visibility of it, you might reject work because you think, well, I'm really busy now, I can't do any more work. So you need to have that forward um, pipeline scheduled in, in, in months so you know that works are up here being delivered and this is the pipeline of things that we're tendering for. If we're successful, it's going to land at the end of August. It starts in September, 
and then it commences and it's a, maybe a six months. So having that all mapped out is really important. Can I also say something, say something on that? Absolutely. I mean, communication is key in those as well, because we, we all know, and I've, I've got a, um, a client uh, that, that I consult with, and he's a flooring company. I've known the guy for, for 20-odd years. Um, and, um, you know, he, they, there's a big flooring company. They do um, uh, sort of clean rooms for, for hospitals and, um, and labs and bits and pieces like that, as well as uh, big contract flooring for like, people like TK Maxx, et cetera. And they've really grown over the last sort of five, five or six years. But and I've been in construction as well, so we all know that those deadlines can change. So it's 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 paramount to keep that communication as well with the with the people you've awarded the contracts with, because as you said, Carol, it may be going ahead in September. But we also know that things slip as well. So of course, what you don't want to do is three jobs slip at the same time, and then suddenly they all fall at the same time, and you've got a problem with you know the staff or or bringing people on onto site or having the right manager ready to manage those things for you as well. So communication is absolutely key. And keeping in close communication with the right people so you know what is going on in your timelines as well. I just wanted to add that in. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Elliot. Sorry, I thought Hayley was going to respond. <laughs> um, yeah, cheers, Elliot. Absolutely. And do you know what, um, Mark and Harrison, thanks for joining us on stage. I'll, I'll pop around to you in a moment. But just off the back of that, what I want to ask is, it's fine to plan all of this and absolutely everybody's banged on, but how do you plan for or prepare yourself for what potentially could happen? Like, for instance, you can't really plan for a pandemic, but now we're perhaps all a little bit better prepared. And now we've got the cost of living and all of these things going up. Is there anything that we can do to prepare for this and build that into the plan for the unforeseen? For the unsure, I don't know what that word is, but you know. No, you know. I, I know what you mean, and I think um, it's really, really important when you're sending quotes out to people, whether they're for a job that might start in six months' time or a service you're going to offer in twelve months. That I always put like clauses and terms and conditions in any quote that they're valid for, um, even if it's accepted within the days that it's valid for—seven days, twenty-eight days, whatever—that it is subject to change and review, um, because we just don't know. And I have no shame in putting my prices up if I need to. And I think you've got to be really, really confident about that because you could take a really big job and think, oh, this is great. It's good turnover, whatever. That really big job could, or that, you know, supplying something or whatever it is, could finish your business overnight. So I think you have to have the confidence to explain to people that this is subject to review, um, material cost increases, blah, 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 any fluctuations in this, this, that. And just be really, really, really confident in in what you want and that you're happy to put your prices up should you need to. And now agreed, but purely if you need to. And I think you've just got to stand, stand by it. And if you lose the work, you lose the work. It wasn't worth having anyway because it could have potentially ruined your business. Absolutely agree with you, Hayley, on that. And it's it's really about the contract, you know, the terms and conditions of the contract that you're issuing that actually protects and safeguards you as a business. Like, listen, we didn't know what was going to happen in COVID, but, you know, having that kind of forward thinking now that protects your business. And as Hayley said, yeah, why, why should you, why should you wait? If, you know, if you've given your best price, another thing, you know, you need them to sign off because you're not sitting there waiting um to start the work you're planning that work subject to them actually signing so going back to that pipeline review you want to make sure that if they sign today 
that you're going to be able to honour the start date that you've put in that contract. But at the same time, they can't then delay signing and expect you to then st still deliver the work in the time frame that they, they suggested in the first place. So really, really important, as, as Hayley said, have your, your T's and C's all mapped out. And don't, you know, in construction at the moment, the way the fluctuation of pricing, you cannot, um, you know, you can't just say, well, I'm going to fix the price because because no one knows what the price is going to be. You've got subject to change, you know, subject to change. And, and where possible, um, if you're working for a main contractor, they've got a stronger buying power. So another thing, if that you're working for one of the big, the tier ones and you're coming in doing the work, organize, if you can, your subcontractor agreement that they pr provide all the materials under their framework agreement. And that will help definitely on, on the cash flow as well. Do you know what I think is a really good touch as well, which we did coming out the back of COVID and then prices on some materials went up and then came down. Um, on quotes that we've said were subject to review, where costs came down reasonably for cable and copper and things like that, we actually reduced our quote before the start date. And it might have only been 1% or, you know, 20 quid, 30 quid here, 50 quid there. But it showed that we weren't just doing it for us that we wanted to always be protected we would look after the customer as well and i think it showed really good faith and if anything it, it, struck, it strengthened the relationship so i think if you are going to be confident that you want to plan ahead you've also got to look after the client's interest in that and make sure you do it for their benefit as well as your own when it suits Sorry, like, go on, fire away, Matt. No, 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 I just want to say, I say I yeah, I love that. And it's, it's right. Well, that's, that's, that's honouring your clients, right? Isn't it? And, you know, if you look at what's happened over the last 12 months, if, if people have put in, I would talk about Ben's company, for example, sort of, you know, because it's the, the, the one I can think of in the construction, which is uh, uh, most relevant to this conversation. Um, you know, if they'd have put figures in last year for things, that, that would have been completely out the window by now, as you said. That will, uh, that will pull many companies down. And I guarantee you there are a lot of old school, old school construction companies or in that sector that uh, are going to fall foul of exactly that, trying to keep winning the business by keeping their prices prices low, not being straight. Um, and that's going to take a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of companies out that don't have the right mindset. So yeah, I love what you're saying there, Hayley. And, um, and yeah, I love the conversation. Lovely stuff. Thanks, Elia and, and Hayley and Carol. Uh, I'll just come to Mark and Harrison while you've joined us on stage. Mark, what is the crack? Good afternoon. Sorry, I'm late, uh, as always. Um, I, it's been interesting uh, just listening to that then, actually, and just picking up on the back of uh, on the back of those conversations. So, one one key thing that just stands out for me, just, and and you all kind of touched on it and mentioned it there, it's about your relationships. So, you know, Haley, those little things that you did in terms of your quotes and maybe dropping twenty quid here, thirty quid there, fifty quid there. Those clients are going to remember that. Do you know what I mean? And, and, and I think it's absolutely essential. The last couple of years for me personally, certainly have seen where those personal relationships for me with my clients and my candidates have actually have been huge. Um, in fact, I had a meeting yesterday with someone that I haven't met in eight years for various reasons. And he picked the phone up to me three days ago and wants me to help him on a piece of work. Now, he could have gone to a million and one recruiters, but he remembered the work that we did all that time ago. So it's those relationships that kind of help us avoid some of the issues in terms of whether we scale up, do we not scale up? I, I think my, my sector, obviously, working in recruitment is very different to you guys who are putting 
you know, potentially fixed price quotes in for work in construction and construction related elements. But I think it's about agility. How agile can your businesses and our businesses be? Because as you said earlier, we have no idea what's coming down the line. Everyone's, you know, concerned and whatever. Just to give you an indication, house builders are becoming increasingly cautious about acquiring land at the moment. Land prices are at an absolute premium. And at the moment, you could argue that sales prices are. But six months time, sales prices will be dropping. There's no doubt about that. So as a little example about how far ahead do we plan our business to grow and acquire things, house builders are absolutely categorically being a heck of a lot more cautious on buying land at the moment. And I think that will ripple in all of our various sectors related to construction about caution over the next 12, 24 months or so. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for that, Mark. I think that's a key thing that people miss as well. It's really great to have a plan. Like everybody writes out a business plan. I have written hundreds probably in my time and I don't think I've ever stuck to a single one. Um, the first time I didn't, I, I felt like depressed, like a failure. It was all going to stop. But actually it was just a different path that I was going to have to take to get me to where I was. And I think that's really important for people to have flexibility because there's just shit that happens that you just can't prepare for or stuff just changes and you have to go down a different path. So I think it's really important to make sure that you build your systems and processes and, and your staff force as well to be as flexible as possible for when these things things do happen so a great point thank you very much mark um harrison welcome uh your first time i think in this room if you want to do an intro uh you have a question or something to add fire away thank you so much um michaela and uh, everybody that is on the stage the moderators and all those that in the audience yes my name's uh harrison harrison kandinga uh, Kratos, all the way from uh, Zambia, Africa. And um, I think I just, uh, I followed this club, being an entrepreneur from Africa, I followed this club. And when the notification came up on top, I just said, okay, let me try to join and see uh, what I can, I can learn from here. And from the point of view and from the point of, uh, of understanding, I think, um, uh, this is a, a group of uh, great, 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 great people with, uh, you know, entrepreneur knowledge concerning their businesses and all that. So uh, basically, I'm here to learn and also to just uh, learn new things. Uh, uh, from what I've heard, I think most of uh, most of you are into construction, into real estate, um, and and also office office tools like as in the link which has been picked on top uh, shelving and racking from the uk's leading industries uh, talking about the big duck uh, i think it does most of the shelvings and all that but then um the route that i'm taking is a different route and um i'm into financial services you know there is this product in in zambia called mobile money um i have a company it's a sole proprietorship and uh, what we do is that we assist uh, customers send and receive money from and to their beloveds you know it's a system that works in a in a similar manner to western union where they are able to send money to their beloved and also make payments and all that 
So according to the 2020 FinScop survey conducted in Zambia, uh, it was discovered that um, commercial banks have uh, two major problems. Number one being that uh, uh, most of them in, in Zambia have got insufficient funds for them to manage their customers. And then number two, most of them, they have got um, their, their locations are located at far distances, as far as 51.2 kilometers. So we as Mr. Loaded Enterprise, we took advantage of that uh, situation. It came to our attention um that we should fill up the gaps that these um you know commercial banks have created because um customers travel as far to get funds and all that so we started mounting up kiosks to make sure that customers have got easy access to funds and you know and they can be able to withdraw deposit funds you know within their catchment area so i've been into this business for six years and uh, we've been able to at least uh, mount up two two to three, I think two, the, the third one is being worked on to three kiosks, three outlets within the city of Lusaka, Zambia. So I think me, I'm taking a different route, but then I'm here to learn. I'm here to also um, uh, maybe get more knowledge from everyone here. Otherwise, that's just my intro concerning the business that I'm doing. I'm into fintech, you know, financial services that's the route that i'm taking otherwise thank you so much for allowing me to speak and um i think uh, i would also love to um i would lo also love to if, if i told there is anybody here who is into who, who can help me on how to have the perfect business pitch video pitch because um i applied into the, there is a foundation called the tony elumelu foundation here in africa that invited applications for entrepreneurs within africa so i had to apply and i was as shortlisted to go for training and uh, uh, we are on stage um, actually it has four phases phase one is the application phase two is um is the business management training course then phase three is the business plan and video pitch submission and then the stage four is where now those who su successfully upload their business plan they 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 do their compelling plans are awarded with 5000 seed capital so i'm on the third stage uh, i made it to the third stage of uh, business plan submission and video pitch so i'd love somebody to assist me on how to do go about the video pitch thank you all right harrison that's lovely and you know what thank you so much for joining the room we you know we appreciate newcomers to the stage and to share as well and uh, you know i know that from the the leading moderators of this room they will be really they're really um honored by your your comments now in terms of you know the support that you're looking at i'm sure that elliot would be able to help because he's, he's very much on on that that stage of of clarity and, and helping with video features as well so if you can contact um, Elliot, he's the lovely gentleman with a smile with the orange background. I'm sure he'll be able to assist you. So, um, right, thanks very much. I'll continue to go around the stage. Um, I see that we've got the lovely Danita in the room. I am in the room, but it's really noisy where I am. That's so, all right. Uh, that's all right. I'm we love to hear you. In. 
Oh, you're just listening in. Okay. I, I'll listen in in this sentence only because, like I said, I'm at the station and I don't want it to be awful for you guys. So, um, but great to be here. It's been ages since I've been here. So, um, yeah, lovely to be here and always, always uh, valuable in this room. I've got a little topic I think we need to talk about that Michaela touched on before. So, should I just just go? Yeah, I'm just going to um processes Michaela you talked about having processes before and I think I didn't learn this until very very late on in my business journey and then it was really really tough to kind of go backwards and do that um so would you all agree or have you got views on the best kind of processes that you need to have in place before you should even consider scaling whether that be I don't know invoicing software or the most basic things what would you say are the are the two most important basics, basic slash processes or bits of tech that you need to have before you can even consider scaling? And I'm going to start with you, Michaela. Oh, thanks. Cheers for that, mate. Could have given me an heads Love up. You. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's important across um, all sectors within your business to have different processes set up and to automate as much as is humanly possible uh, to make your scaling journey a lot easier. Um, but for us personally, our most important ones are the sales processes and sales funnels and marketing going into sales to try and bring in as much as possible consistently without having to rely on human beings to do it because, um, you know, it's it's so volatile. So our sales process is the probably the key thing. And then my second thing is accounts. Um, I can't tell you how much I, I detest it. I feel sorry for all accountants. I can only presume they are unhinged or severely depressed because it's just <laughs> got to be, it has to be the worst job in the world. I really hate it. And the first business that I lost, um, well, the only business I lost, I was saying that like I'm a serial loser. Uh, I, I lost my first business due to really bad um accounting and using a really shit accountants as well who is disclaiming they've been struck off so we have now had to like implement it all we have somebody coming in once a week to do our bookkeeping because honestly my head just falls off with it so i think those two things for me personally are, are the key things making sure we've got our sales processes and um, accountant software invoicing make sure as much of it is done automated as possible so that um yeah we, we, we're freeing up people's times for for other things Lovely bit of advice, Luke. I was going to jump in and just talk about retail because I think, obviously, I work for a, a retailer, and I guess we've got two arms to our business. So we've got we're predominantly predominantly e-commerce, so we don't have bricks and mortar stores, um, but then we do have a, a service side. So if you talk about scaling from a retail perspective, whether you have bricks or mortar and e-commerce, it is obviously very driven on the market and you know we've been through so much in the past couple of years we've had the craziness of covid and then we've come into the madness of what is kind of everything now with you know fuel price rises and and shipping issues and container costs and raw material increases and it's for a lot of people running businesses it's an absolute nightmare and if you look at the retail index you, you know retail is down something like 26% year to date which is incredible so you know when you're looking at trying to scale a business you have to almost look at the market but it's so 
has been so volatile. To give you an understanding, Big Doug did incredibly well through COVID. Almost surprisingly, we we planned what would happen if we got 75% of our revenue, 50%, 25%, zero revenue. And we actually you know, doubled in size because of COVID because everybody just wanted our product. But that, again, came with its own challenges because we couldn't get hold of stock. We couldn't get the orders out quick enough. People were complaining. The delivery networks were down. It's, so if you take out kind of the pandemic and everything that's happened since the pandemic, scaling a retail business can also be incredibly risky if you are buying stock, sitting on stock and hoping and praying that it's going to sell. Um, but I think the most important thing when you come to come to retail and e-commerce is really driving traffic. So marketing becomes one of the most important avenues because you need to make sure that you are your products are getting seen. So as much as you would hit the phones every day to try and make that sale or get that warm lead, it is very, very important to make sure that you have online visibility of your either physical store or e-commerce store, you know, and using Google AdWords and Facebook AdWords and, and TikTok and all of that to make sure that you are constantly getting eyes on your shop. And then I think from a from a B2B perspective, because we do that as well, you know, we do um we do uh service providing. So we if anybody needs a large warehouse in store, they wouldn't just go and buy the product, they would come to a specialist and we would go measure. For us, that is very much about making sure that we get eyes on the fact that we do it but from an internal process perspective to follow you on Michaela we use HubSpot and you can actually get a free version of HubSpot so that kind of is a lead kind of it's, it's not a lead generation tool and such but it's kind of monitoring your leads and nurturing them and for anyone starting their business or you know lower end HubSpot or one of those kind of CRM tools which you can get a free version for um, or you can pay you know, not very much money a month, you know, 30, 40, 50 quid a month to get some extra features can be a godsend for a lot of businesses because then you can really keep an eye and a track on your pipeline. So then you know that you're always on it and you're always monitoring it and that it's never going to dry up because you're focusing your attention on something else. So it really is a bit of a chicken egg sometimes, especially when it comes to retail, but it can be really risky scaling a retail business because essentially a lot of the time you have to invest in stock and that's money up front, not knowing whether you're going to spend it. Uh, and it's going to sell, but that you can you can obviously go the dropship route, but it can be risky. You know, is scaling a business is probably more scary than actually starting a business in the first place because you've got to actually then put all these processes in place. And pr process, process, process is probably the key to a success of scaling because if you don't have it, you're going to very quickly fall fall very hard, very fast. I can confirm. Oh, yeah, no, honestly, Luke, that's HubSpot number one, amazing for startups. I think it's absolutely perfect. It ticks all the boxes um, and, like you said, basic and can be free. But definitely, I I found scaling much, much, much more difficult than starting up because starting up suited my scatty brain. Scaling did not, um, hence the need for, as we're saying, all of these different systems and processes. So, yeah, excellent point. Hayley, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll give it back to you. Yeah, no, I'm just going to do a little reset uh, for everyone. I know we've got new people joined us. So you are in the Women in Business room. Um, we've been here every Friday. That's due to change soon, and we'll let you know. Uh, you're in the Entrepreneurs and Leaders Club, and we are sponsored by the wonderful Big Dog. We've got Chris and Luke gracing us with our, their presence today on stage. Um, so, yeah, I'm now told they've got a couple of hundred 
thousand products. So if they haven't got what you need for your business, you're not looking hard enough. So go and check them out. Um, but yeah, I think we should, that would nicely move us on to talking about, I know we talked about systems and what we need to have in place, but you touched quite a lot on advertising, Luke, um, especially on the retail side and um, constantly making sure you're in AdWords and things like that. When you've only got a little bit of money when you've kind of in your startup phase and then you get to scale up um, and sometimes you do have to make difficult decisions between money for advertising and money for staff or, you know, cash flow can be a nightmare. What's the kind of magic number or percentage that you definitely have to like bare minimum be spending on advertising or and or marketing to get eyes on? What a question. Oh, Um, she's she's put me in it there i i listen when we're a big business right so we operate on a percentage because we report percentage wise there are a lot i'm michaela she runs a marketing business as well and and she'll say and reiterate exactly the same as me this is as much as you can afford to spend right but what people don't realize is that you know when a business isn't doing well the first thing that people cut is marketing pr all of that but how do you expect people to find your business if you are not actively marketing it and i think a lot of people put too much kind of they don't put enough emphasis on the importance of marketing you could have the most beautiful shop e-commerce shop you could have the most beautiful bricks and mortar store you could have the most amazing service you could be the best contractor in the world but if no one knows you exist you're never going to get business whether that means you have to physically pick up the phone or you're placing an advert in the local paper or you're doing b2b ads in specific targeted press you know like um like what michaela runs you know in a in her building magazine and a construction magazine or whether it means that you're doing google adwords it comes down to being very methodical and strategic about what you're doing don't do it all at once have a marketing plan and a strategy and go right this month i'm going to do you know a little bit of um paper uh, online advertising this month i'm going to do a little bit of paper this month i'm going to invest in email and do it strategically so they're not done at the same time you do it in silo do it analyze it see if it works see if it brought anything in if it did rinse and repeat and increase the budget if it didn't try something else don't just turn everything on and hope for the best go through write a little strategy go okay well i can do some google adverts then i can do a local paper then i can maybe see if i can contact the local radio you know write down all of these things everyone you know is capable of going through where because we all see adverts on a day-to-day basis so just write down all the things that you think you should where you should be or what you should be doing and then do a plan and do them individually until you tick one that works or one that doesn't you know put tracking codes in make sure if you're going to do an offer you know you make sure that you can track it back so people can quote that all of those things then you can then really put numbers against the things that you've done start small if it worked on 50 quid it's going to work on 500 scale it up if it didn't work don't do it or you might have done something wrong and seek an expert you know there are very methodical ways of going through marketing everyone thinks it's coloring in and create crazy creative but actually it's about putting a strategy in place to see where the appetite of your audience is and what where they are where they're looking and you will never know that until you start so that is my 101 advice on on marketing and how to start start small test and trial different things make sure you analyze them and if one works double the budget yeah do you know what i actually believe you were prepared for that question luke i was not no you threw me in (laughs) in there absolutely brilliant sorry michaela i just wanted to applaud luke for his advice yeah, no, you can tell uh, Luke is a marketing guy, absolutely loves that. But yeah, he's bang on with everything he said. But what I would add to it is, um, 
analysis is just the most important thing that everybody misses off marketing and just thinks, oh, it didn't work, so I won't do it again. But what people need to do as well is speak to the customers, the ones who did come in, like, oh, like where did you see us and what was it that attracted your attention and then look at what that customer's like so right yeah they've stayed with us for three years they spend x amount on average they liked this messaging and build it up from the actual client feedback as well and over time you can build up your messaging to perfection of that client responds well to this this client responds well to that and there's loads of analytic tools out there that can do that for you but more when you come into paper radio billboards and your traditional side of my marketing than to understand what they like because you don't always get that feedback and to quote somebody who I do not remember who said this but um, I use it all the time when people are going to say no to me about marketing somebody once famous said stopping marketing to save money is like stopping your watch to save time and I've never heard a, a truer thing said it just doesn't that. work it wasn't you. It was like Henry Ford or somebody really great, and Fabulous. it definitely wasn't Haley Roberts. <laughs> I, I it was Haley. Be wrong because you can't remember, so I'm taking it. I'm going to say one more thing, actually. And do you know what the most important piece of marketing you will ever be able to do? And it's something that well, I'll rephrase that: the most important marketing tool that is available, which is something that you can never do, is positive word of mouth and recommendations. <laughs> So it comes down to how you conduct your business and how you treat people because if people recommend you, that is the most powerful thing in the world. You will, there are some businesses that fully get 90% of their business based on recommendations. Joining groups like this, going on LinkedIn, doing what you did, Haley, and reducing a quote because it's the right thing to do. That is what is going to get you more business over and above any amount of money you can spend because you are doing things right by people and you are doing conducting business in a way which resonates positively with people when you start doing stuff like that the rest will come so fundamentally have a very good look at how you operate your business and how you treat the people you talk to and how you do things because that will only reflect either positively or negatively on how you grow and scale your business and that's free as well isn't it Luke just being a really good moral person is completely free of charge we can all do that don't be a dick. Um, Hayley, I'm just chucking a salad. Um, okay. So can you take this over for five minutes? Yeah, I have got another thing I want to ask, actually. And I'm, I want everyone to try and get involved in this. So you followed all the advice and you, you're going well and you're scaling and you're doing things right. And then it just doesn't go right. You've, you've gone wrong somewhere. How do you scale back? How do you then work backwards and ensure that the next time you go for it, you've then got everything in place? Who wants to start with this? Go on, Elliot. I think you need to understand your problem first. Um, and this is something that I've, I've, I've really doubled down on in the last few months, actually, work, with working with people. It's actually won a, won a couple of people uh, to work with me. <clears throat> it's understanding the problem first and, and, and actually, well, of course, I would say mind map it out. But... I, I, I sort of almost have a, have a solution, well, I don't almost, I have a solution for that. So you create, you create in essence, a, a, a mind map that, that actually you delve into the parts of what the problem is before you even try and come up with solutions. Because understanding that sets you, sets you up for any other problem that is similar in the future. Plus, you also have solutions for it as well. So I think you have to really understand where the problem lies before you go and try and fix anything. And that's going back to the basics and drilling down and, and really understanding the company and then looking at what that problem is. 
mapping it out, putting the details into that. Why did that happen? Who, who was involved with that? What, you know, what, was the, what were the outside influences? At what point did you understand that problem? Or did you, did you first see that problem and ignore it possibly? All of those things need to really be understood before you even understand how you, how you fix that problem, come up with solutions. Yeah, I think that's really sound advice. And I think as well, you need to be accepting of the fact that you can own a mistake and you have to take some blame somewhere and go, I did that wrong. And as long as you're willing to fix it and you will allow to teach yourself how to, I do think you've got to be able to not be like, I can't have done anything wrong. I'm the best at what I do. I think you have to be able to take responsibility to in order to be successful. Um, anybody else got uh, any tips on scaling back? It must be somebody. Just don't be scared of scaling back. You know, at the end of the day, you've got the evidence of what didn't work. So if it's not worked, long as you're keeping close enough to understand what's not worked, what's what's um, has been successful. So you know what good where you were before that where it was ticking over and things were working in a way that was manageable. Um, and if you find that, you know, all of a sudden now, actually, no, this is not, this is, ah, it's all going peep tong, just, just strip it back. And, you know, at the end of the day, if that means having to, to turn away work that you feel that, oh, my God, but I could do it. No, no, no. Sometimes it's just actually the right thing to do to say, right, I'm going to scale back, dust myself down, realign, look at the systems and processes that I have in place, and then come back more stronger and wiser to take you to the next level. Adding on from that as well, Carol, I think sometimes it comes down to us as people. So taking almost the ego and the pride out of it and sitting down and going, actually, I can't do this right now. And however much that is a bitter, swill to, uh, bitter pill to swallow, just sitting and being really... That was for you. Stuff. Yeah, it was indeed. Yeah, I had to get my words mixed up then. I talk too much. Yeah, just literally being honest with yourself and sitting down and going, do you know what? This is not the right time. And I wish it was, but it's not. And almost taking that pride out and going, but next year might be, let's get everything sorted in the right place before we go for it. Because everyone gets excited. Everyone wants to make money. Everyone wants to grow. That's the aim of it, right? But sometimes you have to do it really methodically to make sure that you don't cripple your business and then you end up with nothing. Yeah, I love that. Uh, Marvin, sorry, did you unmute? I was just flashing to, to agree with what was just said, actually. Um, I just thought it was a, a really good point uh, to raise. Um, just popped in just to support the room more than anything else. Um, great conversation. I think um, the, the fear around scaling back is is that scaling back is um, normally attached to a negative rather than a positive um, for me. I think a lot of people think when you're scaling back, then, then it's failure. Uh, but I think if you actually map things out and have a vision and have a direction and or understand the direction that you're going in um you can change the mindset around fail, uh, the actual uh scaling back because you're you know if you understand why you're doing it and understand that you're scaling back or taking one step back with, with a view to taking two steps forward um that really helps the mind, mindset shift but um but yeah that i was just uh 
flash into uh, to applaud the last statement. <laughs> I'll pass it back to you. No, that's great. It's good to hear from you as well. I've not bumped into you in a room for so long. So, um, yeah, thanks for popping in. It's good to see you. Yeah, I'm, try- I'm trying to use my time sparingly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm, on, I'm honoured, Marvin. I'm honoured. No, honestly, the club, Clubhouse is definitely, I think um, I went through a period of, of just overdoing it on Clubhouse and now I'm just trying to be, uh, I've remembered that, uh, you know, that there is sort of life outside um spending all the time on the app <laughs> yeah something like you. that you've just got to choose the good rooms <laughs> aka this one exactly Plug. exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right uh thank you very much Michaela I'm gonna pass to you for that one are you there sorry are you available yeah sorry I'm just uh having a pause from being a fat pig um hi Marvin yeah again it's been ages since seeing you so good to see you back um we are going to be changing the room as well on to to Wednesday evenings at 7 30 so we'll announce it properly after when I've got the dirt to hand but I just wanted to add on what Marvin was saying because I think this is the perception that you're you're scaling back which means like you you're doing worse so you're not you're not earning as much money blah 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 but I I genuinely feel like in a in a couple of my businesses well, I don't feel like it is factually correct. It's like when we first started off, I was earning more money. And then when we've scaled, I earn less because now we employ people and we have systems and processes and everything that just eats your money. And I don't think there's, I think you need to understand what you want for your, from your business. If you want to scale it so that you can sell it in the end and you're going to sell it with, we've got this amount of staff, these are, these are our processes, this is our brand, blah, 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 then, then perfect. But if you just want a lifestyle business and you're earning more money and less stress by not employing more people and having more overheads and um, signing up some more systems and processes then there's absolutely nothing wrong with that like who cares what somebody else thinks if you employ 30 staff or if you employ two staff if you are earning enough money to make you happy in life and that's what you want to do and ultimately you might never be able to sell it but it's giving you a nice lifestyle business then there's nothing wrong with that and sometimes you don't know that until you've scaled it and you've experienced that stress and you've been your time's been taken up more and you've just given yourself a, a really really stressful job instead of actually what you want to achieve which is removing yourself from from the business and being able to work I think that's only something that you can learn while scaling and there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with that so I don't think we need to get rid of this stigma of people who work in micro businesses aren't as successful because I know multimillionaires who run micro businesses um so yeah let's perhaps break that down yeah definitely and I'm absolutely all about if you can outsource it outsource it you can still scale you can absolutely scale. You might not have a solid team around you, but if there's someone willing to take tasks away from you, which means that you can just keep bringing the money in, which is what we're all good at when we start our business, selling our service or product, um, outsource the stuff that takes up too much of your time and, and build yourself that way. Nothing wrong with that. Absolutely, Hurt. Um, sorry, I'm eating. Hayley, can you go to Sunny? Can you just do this? I'll come next. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Hi, Sonny. Thanks for joining us. Have you uh, got any questions or any input for us today? Yeah, hi. Do you mind if I jump in in about 10 minutes? I'm just driving at the moment, but uh, I am listening in. We are going to be wrapping up the room on a fast one o'clock, Sonny, so we can hear you quite well. Yeah, I was just um, in agreement with Michaela just in terms of like perspectives on businesses, you know, in terms of, you know, whether it's micro or you're looking to scale. Um, even myself, um, sort of last year, um, 
you know, I thought I needed a state-of-the-art office, you know, uh, half a dozen staff members, well, a dozen plus staff members, just to get started. And, you know, in the space of, well, just in, just over six months, scaling back, um, of course, it's been a lot more profitable, but it's also been a lot more productive as well. So it's, uh, it's really interesting. And I think sometimes you have to kind of learn the lessons or, you know, kind of experience it to get that sort of insight. So the insight that you're getting given here for free and the time and the money that you don't have to spend to get it. So really valuable. So I'll just stay in agreement there. I noted that your um, your room times are changing. So I will keep an eye out for that as I'm trying to be a bit more engaged on a clubhouse. But that's all for me for now. Oh, thank you, Sonny. And thanks for joining us. Yeah, we could hear you really well then. So cheers for that. Um, so we are coming towards, obviously, the end of the room. So I'm going to go around everyone we've got left on stage, if you're available, and just ask you um, maybe your top one or two tips on should you be scaling, you know, or how to make sure you're doing it properly, etc. Just your top tip takeaway from today for everybody listening. Elliot, I'm starting with you. <laughs> um, I think Luke, what Luke was saying about the marketing, I think was uh, was 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 um, was really valuable, and I think everybody should be marketing at one level somehow with their business, whatever they're doing. Um, because if you're not, um, then uh, then how do you stand out from the rest? So uh, that's got to be one of the top tips I've taken from today for sure. Lovely stuff, Chris. Are you still with us? Are you available? Yeah, oh, here no, he is. Yeah. No, I'm here. For me, it's something we probably haven't had time to touch on today. Is business values? What you represent as a, as a business and what your identity is, and that's something I know a lot of business struggle with when they scale up. Is they lose that identity just due to the nature of the changes to the organisation, and that's something I think you know the heart and value of the company need to be represented as they grow. I love that. And I think I'm currently doing the schedule for the next few weeks of rooms. Um, and I'd love if you do if you do one week with us, Chris, talking about um, identity and values. Would you be up for that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, super. Wonderful. You can be like the, uh, the VIP of the room and just, you know, do it all and give us all your oh, insight on everything. So, yeah, brilliant. I'll get you booked in. Um, thank you for that, Chris. Uh, Carol, what about you? Oh, I really love what Chris said. It is so important, identity and, you know, your values, because in, in business, it's all about reputation and sustaining reputation. So, yeah, my, my I'll always go back knowing your numbers um, and, you know, always don't be don't be scared to review your pricing because it could be that you could actually scale up in, 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 in a, a shorter time if you take time to revisit your pricing. Let's just make sure that, you are competitive, but not not too cut in your margin just to get the job. So I would always say, look at your numbers, know your numbers, but also to have a regular check-in on your pricing. Fabulous. Thanks, Carol. Mark, what about you? I know you've, you've had a, you start a business last year. Did you come out the end of COVID? Uh, well, I, I, I had a business before that, then I joined a business, but I set up again earlier this year. I mean, I think there's, there's so many things to take away from today, but there's one thing that I didn't get a chance to mention earlier and I had to take a call. For me, the most important thing that I have, I'm really lucky, I've got someone that I call a critical friend because it's our, it's our own business. We're so passionate about it and we're so heads down about it all that sometimes it's hard to, to come and look outside your business and look at your business in terms of scaling up when should i scale up is it safe to scale up what's the market like etc where are we perceived all this kind of stuff and to have someone that you can go to and say right 
these are my plans over the next couple of years. How, you know, what do you think from looking as an outsider? They know you personally and they know your business and they know your industry. That is such a massive benefit and it costs absolutely nothing as well. So that's probably the biggest thing for me in terms of if I decide to scale up again, um, having a conversation with that individual will be huge for me and massively beneficial. Oh, you're so right there, Mark. My best mate, I call her my business advisor sometimes and I'll ring her and if it's about work, I'll be like, I need you to be business advisor head today. And she's like, yep, yeah, let's do it. And it's it's so nice to have someone who's refreshing and not in the industry, but understand and can kind of take the emotion out of it for you and, and think a bit more logically. They've got no ego, they've, you know, all the emotions out of it. So yeah, I think that's a really, really valid point, actually, Mark. Thanks for coming today. Um, Marvin, what about you? Yeah, there's been some um, really great points raised. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of something uh, that hasn't been said, but I think for me, um, you know, I've been in, involved in uh, lots of mergers and acquisitions and things of that nature. And I think um, what was just raised about the numbers, I think it was Carol that said that, uh, which is massively important. Um, when I was listening to her speak, you know, the, the quote, turnover is vanity, profit is sanity, and cash flow is king kind of popped into my mind. But I think if I was to, to try and think of one of the biggest things that I think of, it would probably be don't let your ego drive your decisions when it comes to scaling. Because I think sometimes it's it's great to have, you know, the staff and the new office and everything sort of, uh, you know, all the shiny things and everything look great. Um, but you, you have to have a clear reason within your own mind and a clear, a clear purpose within your mind and a vision and, you know, the, the roadmap. So you understand the reason why you're taking the actions that you're taking. Um, because I think if you're, if it's driven, driven by ego or driven by, you know, trying to keep up with Joneses, it, it, it's, you know, it, it's going to sort of uh, end in tears to a certain degree. Um, so that would be uh, my share really is make sure that your, your actions aren't driven by ego. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you're really sort of take, thinking seriously about taking that leap. Uh, and I'll pass it back to you. Thanks, Marvin. No, really, really important. Very valid point, actually. Thank you very much. So that does bring us to an end for today, guys. Thank you all very, very much for joining us. Don't forget to go and check out our amazing sponsor, Big Dog. I think the link is still above. Um, anybody got anything else to say before we say goodbye? You will find out about the rooms um, across Design and Build and Cube Socials soon. Um, and yeah, we'll catch up with you all soon. Anybody else want to speak? Yeah, we're going to be starting on a week on Wednesday at 7.30, so um, put it in your diary and then it'll be every Wednesday at 7.30 about all different topics, which Haley said will be announced on social media. Great stuff. Have a good weekend, guys. Thank you all very much.